Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And God, just as we sang, Lord, we come here asking you to make us alive again, Lord. Come alive these dry bones. Lord, stir us up, God. Lord, Lord, renew our hearts tonight. Refresh us today, God, as we come to you to seek you and to hear from you in your word. And Lord, as we come into this chapter, I pray that you set in our hearts and help us to learn the principles that you have set out so long ago, Lord, as you created each one of us and our relationships. So Lord, we give you this time. We ask for an anointing of your Holy Spirit. We ask for your blessing. We ask in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Hey, I read about this 80-year-old woman who had recently married her fourth husband. And because of that, a local reporter came to interview her and asked her why she got married really so late in life to her fourth husband. Her reply was, well, her latest husband was a funeral director. Curious the reporter asked her about, well, what about the other three husbands? Well, she said, husband number one was a wealthy banker. And husband number two was a famous actor. Then husband number three was a well-known minister. Now, being even more curious now, the reporter asked, well, now none of these people have anything in common. I mean, why did you marry this banker, this actor, this minister, and now this funeral director? And the elderly woman stated, well, it's simple. One, for the money. Two, for the show. Three, to get ready. And four, to go. (laughs) Well, yes, she has the reasons for getting married, doesn't she? There are different reasons. Matter of fact, as we return to our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul brings up, One reason, of many really, but one reason for marriage. And that is to keep from falling into sexual sin. But not only that, Paul speaks about singles and how even being single doesn't mean you're less spiritual if you're not married. All in all, Paul's going to talk about how it's important that we maintain your purity. That each one of us maintain your purity. That's the title of our message this morning. Maintain your purity. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 7 from verse 1 through 9 this morning. And our outline is this. Number one, maintain your purity. Number one, by getting married. Number two, by giving consent. And number three, by grasping the gift. Now I'll give you the outline as we go this morning, but take note this morning as we get into this chapter, we, we ended chapter six last week and we're continuing to move on in our study through this book. As we come into first Corinthians chapter, this whole chapter is about singleness and marriage. We're going to take this whole chapter in this series of four parts, actually, four messages in this whole chapter. So I really encourage you guys to not miss out on this study because I believe it's really important to especially in the day and age that we live in today. So maintain your purity. Let's begin with number one by getting married. By getting married. Take a look with me here now. First Corinthians chapter seven. Verse one it says Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch 
a woman. Now, in this chapter, Paul is actually, as we get into this chapter, Paul is addressing some questions which the Corinthian believers had wrote to him about. And that's why he's like, well, concerning these things, you know what you wrote me. Yeah. And we, we don't have that letter, but Paul is, a, Paul is referring to that here. And actually in this chapter and the following chapters, Paul will respond to other issues that, that have come up. And then Paul has to deal with. So the believers basically put in this letter and they ask, Hey, it is, it is, is it a good thing for a man not to touch a woman? And so Paul responds here in verse 1, Hey, you know what? Concerning what you wrote me, Hey, yeah, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now you might be thinking, Wait, wait, what, what is Paul saying here? Is Paul saying, Well, we cannot like... Give each other a hug, a good Christian hug, you know, like when you come in church or, or it, it, you mean we're not supposed to, you know, in Hawaii here, you know, give each other a little kiss here. Is, is that not right? No. Here when Paul speaks about to touch a woman, he's talking about to have sex. That's the idea here. It's not, I mean, it's good for a man not to sleep with someone you're not married to. In other words, Paul's saying it is good for a person not to fall into sexual sin. It's better to keep yourself pure. And that's the idea here with Paul saying in verse 1. Now you remember we saw in chapter 6 how God did not create our bodies for sexual immorality, but He created what sex to be part of the union of marriage. And the believer's body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not to be used for sexual sin. So as we come into chapter 7 here, Paul flows with that idea and that talk, topic to talk about singleness and marriage. Now, probably this was asked by some Corinthian believers who were making this statement. And they were probably single, single believers. And they're making the statement that total abstinence is more holy. It's more spiritual. So it's good. Yeah, that, that's good, right, Paul, that we abstain yeah, from singles having sex with other people falling into sing, uh, a sexual sin. So it's good for everyone to be single yeah, than rather fall into sexual sin. Kenneth Weiss, this Greek scholar, he translated the end of verse 1 this way. It is perfectly proper, honorable, morally befitting for a man to live in strict celibacy. Paul's like, yeah, you know what you say? It's good for a single person who wants to maintain their purity. And that's the idea as Paul is is writing here, writing them back. And as we get into verse 1, but then he goes on. Take a look at verse 2. Paul says, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Yeah, it's good, especially for singles, yeah, not to have sex with, you know, the, the other, uh, an, another girl or guy, to fall into sexual sin. Nevertheless, though, He's saying, in light of the danger of our sinful flesh falling into sexual sin, in light of the world we live in, remember the, the city of Corinth was a very wicked, immoral city. In light of sexual immorality, you know what? It's good. It's also good to have 
a husband to have his own wife. It's good that a husband be married to his own wife and a woman be married to her own husband. You know why why he's saying that? Because there's nothing wrong with having sex in the marriage. It's all right. It's part of being married here. Proverbs 5.19, at the last part of verse says, Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. So we know marriage is about love and sex is all part of that too. And so Paul is saying, hey, by getting married, you know what? You're not as tempted to sin and you can keep your sexual desires pure. And that's the idea of, of what he's saying here. You know, I was thinking about just that, that whole thought that, that we can keep our sexual desires pure. And, you know, when, when we finish our, our studies as on Wednesday night, as we've been going through the Old Testament, we, we studied Proverbs by, uh, King Solomon. We studied Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes by, uh, Solomon. And then the next book was the Song of Solomon. And now, you know, I, I read through the Bible every year and thinking, ah, I don't know. There's too much intimate words and stuff in there. And I was really thinking about skipping it, being a little uncomfortable, a little shame, you know, with the content in there. But I remember I was uh, the Lord specifically saying, no, no. And then I realized not only is this God's word, yeah, that we should study, but you know what really I was thinking about the Holy Spirit really spoke to me about? It's the world who corrupts sex with lust. Originally, God made sex in marriage to be beautiful and pure. So Paul's like, hey, you know what? Getting married, it's great because you're not as tempted to sin. You could keep your, your sexual uh, desires pure. Sex in marriage, it's a good thing. It's okay, you know, in that way. Now, before we go on, understand a couple things here. Number one, Paul is not saying that singles need to get married. He's not saying that. He's not saying, hey, if you're single, you need to get married right now. And we're going to see later that God has actually blessed the single person. You're blessed. If you're in here today, you are very blessed. And we'll see that later. And then at the end of this chapter, Paul has much to say for people who are single, who are called to be single, who God has willed for them to be single. So Paul's not saying that, hey, you singles, you better get married. Secondly, Paul is not saying that sex is the most important reason to get married. That's not what he's saying here. It's all in context of this sexual immorality. It's all in context of keeping sex pure within the marriage. We know, and we've talked about this over and over, that sex outside of marriage is a sin. But within it, it's okay. But Paul's not saying, hey, that sex is the most important reason to get married. No, God created sex in our bodies uh, to be part of the love we show in our marriage. And we learned that, didn't we? Just last week, we learned in chapter six, six that sex, Paul was saying, is not just some bodily function like eating, so it's okay, right? The, some of the Corinthian believers are thinking, well, it's okay, it's like eating, it's like that. But no, it's much more than that. It's part of God putting two people together in marriage. It's the, it's, it, marriage is a union of two hearts, a mind and soul, and the body. It's all part of this, this package and this thing that God does in what Genesis 2 says, to becoming one 
flesh. So here's what Paul is saying in these verses. If you can stay single in this messed up world, great. But if, but it's not wrong to be married and maintain your purity. That's the point here. If you can stay single in this messed up world, great. But it's not wrong to be married and maintain your purity. I was reading um, how one pastor said that God, he felt that God was calling him to be single. He thought that. Then he writes, but then he met his wife to be. And he said this, she looked so fine. (laughs) He said, I figured if I was meant to be single, God wouldn't want me feeling the way I felt about her. And then he wrote, I believe if God calls you to be single, he'll take away the tingle. I like that. And when I was with her, I was tingling all over. I like that. I like that. Yeah. If God calls you to be single, he'll take away the tingle. Yeah. Now, understand this pastor and what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about a lustful feeling. Yeah. He's not talking about that. No, it's, it's, it's really this like, romantic, you know, googly-eyed kind, you know. It's that kind of feeling, well, this is the one I've been waiting for kind of feeling. You know, it's this, he's he's my prince charming kind of feeling. It's this, oh, this is my beautiful princess. That's what he's talking about. That's what even Paul is saying, hey, you know, if you can stay single in this messed up world, good. It's good that a man not touch a woman. Yeah, great. But, it's also not wrong to be married to maintain your purity and that God had put this whole romantic, oh, I got to be with her kind of feeling. For those who are called to be married, you know what? It's great. You know what? No problem. But if you don't marry, you, you know what's going to happen for those who are called to be married? The, that desire for intimacy, it gets corrupted and it can lead to sexual sin now the things we've been talking about last week even today um there it's hard things it's things we got we got to really manage in our hearts these principles especially you know those of you are young teenagers you gotta you gotta learn this now because the world is corrupted the world has changed god's original plan in all of this you know, I was noticing on this one TV show, I was watching how this one woman in the show, the star of the show, she goes from one romantic relationship to another. It's almost like the soap opera kind of thing. And each time she's sleeping with that guy and then they break up and it's one thing on and on and on. And, you know, so we get this thinking in this world that, oh, well, that's the way love works. Yeah, that's that's romance. And you get the romantic feelings and yeah, one thing, yeah, and then you watch on TV and it leads to another and they're in bed. And that's part of the whole dating thing. Yeah. But let me tell you, that is not what God intended. Right? We, we, we talked about that last week. No. Sex is only within the bounds of marriage. If you're sleeping with someone outside of that, right? It's sin before God. The Bible is very straight on that. But what the world has done is corrupted what God meant to be pure. The Corinthian city, remember there was the temple Aphrodite, 
right? The goddess of love. And, and their priests were prostitutes, female, male. They go out and, and basically it's just this brothel there. Well, here in the middle of the city was this church. And Paul saying, hey, watch out, guys. Yeah, if you can stay single in this messed up city, great. But it's not wrong to be married and maintain your purity and stick to God's plan here. The world has corrupted God's original plan for romance, love, and marriage. Paul's like, look, if it's God's will, it's better to get married than to let the world corrupt you and lead you into sexual sin. Let me ask you today, what's in your mind? What's in your, what's your mindset? Have you allowed the world to corrupt what God meant to be pure? Think about this. Is what you call love really lust? That's how, how Satan and the world has, has warped our minds. There's a difference now. In sex, there's a difference between love in sex and lust in sex. To attract the endangered, the endangered albatross bird, uh, to help them gather together to breathe, the Japanese put decoys on this island called Izu. And they found one bird. They nicknamed this bird Deko. This one bird tried to woo one of the wooden decoys for two years. He built a fancy nest and kept building it when it broke down. He fought off other rival suitors. He stood faithfully by this decoy side for two years. Can you believe that? It's just a, a wooden bird. The Japanese researcher Fumi Sato, talking about the abatross's infatuation, said this. He seems to have no desire to date real birds. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but... Is that you today? Maybe we, you've lost your sense of what real love really is, of what God had intended yeah, it to be, the romance, the love, yeah, getting married, and then sleeping with one, having sex. It, that's what it, it's about. That's how God made it. Maybe you've been, like the song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. Let me tell you, God is a forgiving God. God is a gracious God. Maybe you come here today and you made those mistakes. Maybe you're, you're ashamed about your past and even talking about you feel like running out of here right now. But let me tell you, God loves you. God for, can forgive you. God died on the cross for all your sins and even sexual sin. And God wants to heal you of this. And God wants to make you right in how He originally created all these things. So, maintain your purity, Paul's saying, by getting married. Let's go to number two in our outline. By giving consent. By giving consent. Number two, by giving consent. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 now. It says, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Okay, so Paul going on here and he's saying since, you know, sex between married people, that's okay. That, that, that's pure. That's, that's right before the Lord. It's out of love. So he says in verse 3, then you know what? Let the husband render or give to his wife the affection. Now, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the sexual 
affection in context of our passage. He's talking about sexual pleasure here. And look, he says, let him render, give to his wife the affection, do her. That word means like, that's owed her, yeah? The husband owes that to her. They're husband and wife. This is all part of God's plan in marriage. And likewise, or in the same way, it goes for the wife to give to her husband, to render to husband what she owes to her husband. And that's giving sexual pleasure, affection. That's being loving, passionate, and even in this sense here, written years, is frequent sex. Notice here, Paul is, is saying that, that, uh, that our attitude our, is giving. Yeah, it's giving. It's not, you owe me. The Bible says, no. It's more like, hey, I owe you. So Paul says this here. In marriage, the husband and wife have an obligation to give each other sexual affection. Now, most likely, Paul is addressing how some in the Corinthian church were going too far with this, right? We start out in verse 1, the single believers, hey, hey, better man, not touch a woman, you know? We want to be pure before God. Yeah, yeah, that's great for you singles, yeah? But it, it's most likely that some are even taking it that too far, saying, hey, sex is so corrupted, and it is out in the world, that you should, that it should not be part of a marriage even. But Paul here is saying, you know what? It's actually a responsibility for a man and wife in the marriage. John MacArthur writes, Paul makes it clear that physical relations within marriage are not simply a privilege and a pleasure, but a responsibility. Husband and wives have a duty to give sexual satisfaction to each other. So with that, look at verse 4. Paul's like saying, see, verse 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So, in the marriage relationship, right, God has it that the wife's body belongs to her husband. That's a, that means she doesn't have authority there. And vice versa. Likewise, in the same way, the husband's body now belongs to the wife. So Paul's like saying, hey, God made marriage so husband and wife gives over consent to each other sexually. Now that's the way we show our love, right? It's all part of this marriage union God does. So, so it's love. It, remember, it's all based on love here. And, and, and you can show that love through showing each other sexual affection. And Paul's saying, and guess what? In marriage, you know, you guys are one. And your body doesn't belong to her and, and hers doesn't. Uh, uh, no, yeah. Anyway, yeah. You know what I'm saying, right? Now, I heard someone once say, Hey, the Bible says that marriage is undefiled. It does in Hebrews. That's right. You know, yeah. So, you know what? I can do whatever I want in the bedroom. We're married. But that does not mean, and Paul's not saying this here either, that you can say, okay, honey, let's sit down and watch this X-rated movie together. It doesn't mean you, you turn your partner into some sex toy, yeah, to gratify your sexual pleasure. Why? Because that's lust, right? It's not love. And to lust is 
sin. No, the whole idea here, Paul is saying, is love is, is, is about thinking of the other person's need. Thinking about them, not demanding what, what you want. It's about being sensitive to your partner. It's about, it's about loving on them and, 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 and pleasing them. It's not a license to sin, but it is a license to express your love. So you understand what Paul is putting forth here. So look at verse 5. Paul says, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. We'll stop right there. So Paul, in all of this, it's a giving thing we're doing. Uh, We don't hold back. You know, It's part of our union. It's pure within the marriage. He says, so you know what? Do not deprive. Do not withhold sex with one another, right? Your body's not yours. It's your wife's and vice versa. He's saying, so do not do it. Don't withhold that. Bless them in that way. Except, he says, with consent for a time. Except when you can both agree that uh, to wait as you give yourself as fasting and to fasting and prayer. So Paul's like, hey, it's okay if you both agree, both talk about it. Yeah, okay, you know what? We're going to abstain right now so we can seek the Lord. How long is that? Well, it doesn't say. Paul doesn't say. And it's more about you both agreeing to what, how long that is, that time frame. As long as you give consent to to that, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to stop, seek the Lord. I was thinking about this in preparation to meet the Lord in a book of Exodus to, for the Lord to come down the mountain. Moses told the people of Israel in Exodus 19.15, get ready and also abstain from having sexual intercourse. Well, Paul goes on here. You know what? It's important that you agree on all this. Why? Look at verse 5 now. The rest of verse 5, he goes on and he says, Hey, agree to this, but come together and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So he's saying after the break is over, then Paul says, Be sure now to come together. Why? So Satan does not tempt you. So Satan doesn't turn that, 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 that desire for intimacy with your own spouse, right? That's pure and right before God. That Satan doesn't tempt you to turn that desire to lust, right, for someone else. And why is that? Well, because of your lack of self-control. Because the sex drive is strong. It's very strong. In us, And so it's easy, Paul is saying, for love to turn to lust. It's easy for us to get into our flesh. What did Jesus say? It's like what Jesus said, right? The spirit is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. So Paul, the idea is here, Paul is saying, make sure that you do not deprive each other for too long and then play into Satan's hand. Someone said, the devil will do all he can to entice unmarried couples into having sex and to prevent married couples from having sex. It's true. 
Satan's out to destroy marriages and Satan's out to destroy love for people that have premarital sex or sex, sex outside of marriage. But he also wants to destroy marriages by keeping them from having sex. So here's Paul's point. Maintain your purity, right? Uh, well, don't give Satan any opportunity by neglecting your responsibility to regular sexual intimacy with your spouse. So don't neglect your responsibility to regular sexual intimacy with your spouse. Don't play into his hands. Don't, let, don't give Satan opportunity. Yeah, if you agree, agree, good. But hey, don't let him play with your marriage and destroy it by neglecting your responsibility to regular sexual intimacy with your spouse. I read about a family, check, they were checking out a very large new home for they were so ready to move out of their very small cramped condo. As they toured this potential large home, uh, the, the little, little daughter excitedly said, Mommy, this house is perfect. There's enough bedrooms for everyone. Even you and Daddy won't have to share a room anymore. Well, you know what? God is saying just the opposite here. <laughs> a husband and wife should share the same room, the same bed. Have you been neglecting your responsibility before God to your spouse? Are you giving opportunity for Satan to work? Yeah. Sometimes we may get so used to saying no that it just comes out automatically. Sometimes we give the enemy opportunities. You know what? When we use sex in marriage to manipulate the spouse, your spouse. Sex should not be used to, you know, sex withhold should not be used for punishment for wrong. It should not be used for retaliation. It's not a tool for manipulation. Satan will certainly use that. Or sometimes we give the enemy opportunities when a spouse neglects the sexual needs of their partner. He or she can feel unloved, unwanted, Hurt can go deep. She can feel worthless. And you know what? It opens the door of looking elsewhere for satisfaction. Another woman in an office yeah, shows interest. A guy in church is much more caring. Yeah. And understand, I'm not justifying a person's adultery, but it does help explain it. And possibly, if we understand it, it could we could see that it could have been avoided. Now understand to note, note this. This does not mean a spouse with sickness, disease, or some physical handicap is in sin because they're not able to fulfill the desires of their partner. No, that's not what Paul's talking about. And even in those situations, right, it, it, it's, a, it's a situation where love is tested, right? Because love is the foundation of marriage, not sex. Paul is saying, hey, don't give Satan any opportunity by neglecting your responsibility. You know what? Give regular sexual intimacy with your spouse. Charles Shedd, this pastor, wrote a letter to his daughter before she got married. And this is what he wrote. 
Dear Karen, smart word, smart girls don't ration their men. Your husband needs sex even when it may be the farthest thing from your mind. Convince him, if you can, that you love him so much you enjoy sharing your charms with him simply because he's in the mood. There's no rationing, Paul is saying, to be done here. But we are to give full consent, full consent for love. Well, let's move on here to number three now. By grasping the gift. We see maintain your purity, number one, by getting married, number two, by giving consent, and now by grasping the gift. This is our last heading. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse six says this, but I say this as a concession, not a commandment, commandment. So Paul makes it clear here. He wants to make it clear to everybody. He says, I want to say this. I say this, in other words, but I say this. Say what? That, well, marriage helps keep a person pure from sexual immorality. Paul says this as a concession. What does that mean? Paul's saying he says this as an option to staying pure. For, he's saying, to marry is not a commandment. In other words, God doesn't require everyone to be married in order to stay pure from sexual sin. Paul's saying, hey, don't get me wrong here. Just because a person is single doesn't mean they're any less spiritual. That, oh, no, you should be married because, hey, that, you know, the sexual drive is so strong. You, you better get married. No, I'm saying, don't get me wrong here. Uh, single people aren't any less spiritual. Laurie said in his commentary, Paul, however, did not want any stigma to be attached to the single state. And sometimes we see even in Christian churches, sometimes uh, being single, is, there's little stigma. Sometimes you feel, right, that stigma being single. And, you know, back then in the Jewish world, the Jews were very strong on marriage because of God. They felt commanded, go multiply, yeah, be one, all this. So every good Jewish boy had to find a wife. But Paul isn't saying that. Paul's saying, hey, don't get me wrong when I'm talking about, hey, you better get married, you know. Get, mar- get married here. He's, no, no, no. I'm not saying, saying that at all. Matter of fact, you know what he's saying? Look at verse 7. For I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Paul, unbelievably, he's saying, Hey, Paul, you know what? I wish everyone was like me. Paul's saying, Hey, I wish everyone was as him. What is that? Paul is single. That's what Paul is saying. You may be thinking, wait, well, what? The Apostle Paul is single? Yes. Yes. In context of this chapter, we're going to see that too even more later on. In, at this time, Paul is single. Now, it's believed he was once married. Before he came to Jesus Christ, before, well, Jesus came into his life, Paul, we know, was a zealous Pharisee. Right. We know from some passages that Paul served on the Sanhedrin. He was one of the elders of Israel. And to hold a seat on the Sanhedrin, it was required for you to be married. So Paul was once married. But here, in context of this chapter, Paul saying, hey, I, I wish you were single like me. Paul is single. What happened to his wife? We don't know. We don't really know. Maybe she passed away. 
Paul, maybe Paul is a, a, a widow. Or maybe his wife left him when he became a believer. And we're going to see some of that next time we come into this chapter. But Paul is single. He says, you know what? I wish you guys were single. I'm not saying you better get married. No, this is an option. Yeah, it's not a commandment here. But I wish everyone was single. But then he says this, right, in verse 7. But each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner. What manner? What gift? What are you talking about? One, what's this manner? Being single. And another person in that. And what that? What's that? Being married. Paul's saying each person has been given a gift from God, whether it's this manner, being single, or like another, being married. Do you understand what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying, hey, you know what? Singleness is a gift from God like marriage is. So there's nothing wrong with being single. Nothing at all. I mean, think about this. If you look in the Bible, if you look in the New Testament, if you think about it, Jesus came to this earth from heaven, lived on this earth as a man, as a married person? No. Don't believe all the junk that you hear. No. He was single. Jesus was single. He never married. But you know, he still, we could say, right, lived effectively for the Father, right? We can say that, hey, being single doesn't mean that you're any less spiritual, right? So Paul's like, hey, singleness is actually this gift like marriage. There's nothing wrong at all being single. So in verse 8, he says, But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am single. So he's saying whether you're, you're single, you're not married for whatever situation, or even a widow, you know, there's no need to rush yeah, into changing your marital status here. It's not a command. It's an option. And Paul's going to talk about even more of that and get into even more of that later in the chapter about that, the, the blessings of being single and to stay where you're at. So Paul's saying, hey, it is good to stay single. He, he's tying in from verse 1. Hey, it's good. Yeah, single. You know what? Don't fall into sexual sin. It's good you don't touch a, 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 a man, touch a woman here. And it's good you just remain single. It's not a bad thing to be single in the Lord, especially, you know what? Because you're okay with abstaining from sex. That's what he's saying. He's like, it's not a bad thing. And it's especially good because you're okay with that. You're okay with, with, with not sleeping around and going around in that way. You know, I don't know why, but... You know, when, when someone brings that package of little white powdered donuts to church and they put them on that table, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I got to eat it. I know I shouldn't. And, you know, the lid is off the cover and you're like, oh, oh, oh I got to have one. And I know I shouldn't because one turns into two and turns into three and then turns into four and turns five. And the next thing I know, you know, I'm just carrying a container around talking to you guys. No, no, but, you know, I don't know. I just love those things ever since I was a, a, a kid. Now, on the other hand, my wife likes it, but they're okay. Yeah. And for her, she could take it or leave it. 
Yeah, that's right. Hey, look, Mom, there's white donuts. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, I'd rather have the chocolate brownie over there, you know. But for her, the, the little white donuts, she could take it or leave it. Paul's like, hey, if you're sing- single and your sexual appetite is no problem, then you know what? Stay single. If you can take it or leave it, you know what? Stay single. You have the gift of singleness. That's the gift you have. Then he says in verse 9, our last verse this morning, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better, better to marry than to burn with passion. Paul's saying, but, you know, if a single person is in danger of taking that God-given sexual desire that's in marriage, taking that purity there and turning love into lust, then you know what? Let them marry. It's better, you guys, marry than to fall into sin. It's better you marry than to burn with passion. The NLT renders this burn with lust. We're back to where Paul began, right? Hey, get married so you're not tempted and so you can maintain your purity. You know, I was thinking about it this way. God created the fire that burns in the fireplace. But that fire belongs in the fireplace, doesn't it? If the fire is out in the middle of that living room floor, it's not good, right? Within the confines of the fireplace, the fire gives warmth, heat, light, and all of that. But in the middle of the floor, the fire will burn down the house. Well, so it is with sex. God created sex to be an expression of love within the confines of marriage. But outside of marriage, those God-given desires turn to lust and sexual immorality. And that will only get out of control and then burn down the whole house so to speak so our last point for this morning is this by grasping your gift whether the gift of singleness or the gift of marriage maintain your purity that's what paul is saying here in this last section grasp your gifts hold on to that maintain your purity whether it's a gift of singleness or the gift of marriage Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I always bring out that, that verse in Proverbs right before God, you know, I'm with the groom before they're getting married. It's right before the wedding ceremony. I like to say, hey, it's a good thing. God has blessed you. God has blessed you with a beautiful, wonderful bride. Yeah. And, you know, God is giving you a, a, a beautiful gift, the gift of marriage to be with someone the rest of your life. Are you called to be married? Then you know what? God will give you the gift of marriage. He'll bring you a husband, a wife, someone so, you, so that you could love each other, love on one another, so you can be united with this other person. And those desires, those sexual desires will be fulfilled by your partner in what God had created in the context of marriage and purity within the marriage. So you know what? Are you called to be married and you have that desire? Well, pray. Keep praying. Wait on the Lord. Wait on His will. 
let God bring the right person. You know, there, there's a, of course we could talk on and on about, about how do you find the right person and all that. Are you called to be married? Well, guess what? God will give you that gift of marriage. Yeah. Not only the desire, but the person that He has made for you to be together with. Are you called to be single? Then you know what? God has given you the gift of singleness. You have the ability to withstand the world's pressure towards sexual sin. You are okay. You could take it. You could leave it. But hey, I'm okay. Me and the Lord, I'm good. I'm all right. But remember, it's God who equips you, singles, to stay pure. I came across this testimony that this single woman, her name was Margaret Clarkson, wrote. This is what she said. Single through no fault or choice of my own, I am unable to express my sexuality in the beauty and intimacy of Christian marriage as God intended. To seek to do this outside of marriage is by the clear teaching of Scripture to sin against God in my own nature. I have no alternative but to live a life of voluntary celibacy, chaste not only in body, but in mind and spirit. But then she says this, I want to go on record as having proved that for those who are committed to do God's will, His commands are His enablings. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Well, as we come to a close here this morning, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're widowed, whether you're soon to be married, whether you're, you're, you're praying for that partner to be married to one day, whether you're praying maybe for a broken marriage or you're, you're, you're trying to deal with, whether you're, you're in a relationship right now or now, you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, or whether you're young or whether you're old, Remember one thing today. Remember one thing. Do not let the enemy turn love into lust and fall into sexual sin. Stay pure before your Lord. I think about again, and I'll close with this, how this 17-year-old girl was being pressured by her friends to go around, sleep with guys just like they were. So she told them this. I can be like you guys at any time I choose. But you can never be like me. So will you be like her today and maintain your purity? Let's pray. God, as we bow before you, our great and wonderful God, who's blessed us so much, Lord. Jesus, how you, you, you reached out to us and you continue daily, Lord, even though we're in, when we're weak and we fail, you, you've done so much for us. Yet, in this one area, Lord, we may have not dealt seriously with. God, forgive us for letting our minds go, Lord, to places where it should not go. Forgive us for allowing our eyes to take in, to stare and watch things that are none of you. Forgive us for holding in our heart and thinking that it's okay the way the world runs things. That, that oh, God will be all right. 
But you're not, Lord, as we're learning. God, as we all bow before you, Lord, as a great and wonderful God, we are humbled and we're, we're, oh, we're devastated, Lord, by the truths that you teach us. But, Lord, we know you can cleanse us of sin. Forgive us, Lord, today, God, of having lust and not love. Forgive us of falling into temptation, playing into Satan's hands and being corrupted, Lord. God, clear our minds of the corruption and and set our hearts and minds, Lord, upon what is pure, lovely, and just. On how you really created marriage, Lord. On the issues of singleness and marriage. On the issue of, of sexual sin. and Lord, on all of these things. On what it really means. On how you created us, our bodies and all. Lord, set us right. Set us right. Lord, make the dry bones live again, God. Let, let what, what we have turned to ashes, Lord. Let us trade them into beauty. Holy beauty, God. As you live inside of us. God, as I pray, Lord, I pray for situations right now in this room. People have come in here where they've fallen in these areas of sexual sin. Lord, I pray that you would, you would forgive them, free them from the bondage, Lord. Help them to rise up, God. Fill with your spirit, Lord, as new people in the Lord and give them wisdom and strength, Lord. Strategy on to handle these situations. What's the next step? Pray for those who are in a sinful relationship, living together, having sex, and they're not married, God. Lord, that today would be the day of repentance and that they turn to you and live right for you. Pray for anyone in adultery right now who's, who's with a married person or they're married and they're having sex, Lord. That today would be the day to repent of their sin and to run back into your arms and make things right again. Lord, give them wisdom. Give them courage. Give them strength, Lord, to live seriously and right before you our holy God, and that we would all together maintain our purity. Help us today, Lord. Help us. God, we want more of you in our lives. And we know this sin has kept us from you. God, we repent. Come now, Lord. Draw near to us as we draw near to you. In Jesus' name, amen.